Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. I'm Kristen Dees, the founder of Catalyst Consulting, a business consulting agency that is passionate about helping small businesses thrive. The goal of this podcast is to connect entrepreneurs with experts in a variety of industries that support small business owners in order to provide you with helpful tips, resources, and some entrepreneurship inspiration. Sweet. So here we go. This is the first video episode of Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. Mike is our guinea pig. Yay. <laughs> thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for time. having me. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty excited. Mike is a professional entrepreneur, wine drinker, and also has a pretty cool corporate gig too. So it's basically like how, how, to, how to live your best life with Mike Jurgens. <laughs> that actually might be the, that might be the title of the podcast episode. I'm pretty sure how to live your best fucking life while drinking wine. So yeah, man, where to start. So tell us kind of a little bit about you as a human being, where are you from? Where did you originate? Born and raised in Southern California, lived here my whole life. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Very just cool. a, just a, young surf skate punk growing up in uh you know the 80s and living what was going on in california in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) nice nice so so, yeah (laughs) a little punk running around in california i like it oh how did you evolve into what you are now from there so i i started started (laughs) us like a t-shirt company with my friend and we you know had some pretty interesting adventures including getting in a trademark war with MTV over the use of the word butthead, <laughs> which we had trademarked and they wanted it for Beavis and butthead. Nice. <laughs> and I, I had never planned to go to college. I was always like, I'm going to run businesses and I'm going to do stuff. And, and uh, this little t-shirt company, we ended up having a, a really big opportunity that would have made us millionaires with Kmart. And I screwed it up and I screwed it up because I was 21 years old and I thought I knew about business and I did it. <laughs> And so after that, I was like, you know what? I need to get an MBA to, if I'm going to play this business game because I suck at it. And so, uh, but I didn't have an undergraduate undergraduate degree. So I went to UC Irvine and they had this joint undergrad MBA program. And I went to them and I said, I'm going to come to this school if you let me do this. And they said, you're not even enrolled in this school. And I go, I know, but like, if you let me in, I'm going to complete all of my requirements for my undergraduate degree in a year. And then I'm going to go straight into the MBA program. And they said, uh, that's not going to happen. But if you could possibly do that, we'll accept you. So I was like, fine. So I went to UCI, got all of my undergraduate requirements done in a year and rolled straight into the business school and then finished my MBA. And while I was at business school, I assumed I was going to come back out of business school and start my own business again. I didn't know what that was going to be, but that's, that was the plan. And so one of the big four consulting firms was interviewing on campus. And I said, well, dude, I'm going to do that because it's going to be really hard and I want the experience, but I don't care if I get the job. And so I, of course they offered me the job because I apparently had like an, I don't give a shit attitude. <laughs> yeah. And, and so they offered me the job and I go, no, I, no, thank you. And they were like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why did you interview? And I go, I just wanted to practice, man. I thought it would be a good experience for me to find a job I liked. And, uh, and the, the guy that I told that to like lost his shit. And he was like, <laughs> you need to work for us. And he just bugged me for like four months. And finally I said, and I'll never forget this. I said, fine, I'll do it for a year, but if it sucks, I'm quitting. And, uh, and that was 26 years ago. And I've been a partner in the firm for 20 years now. And <laughs> It's just been a hell of a ride, but it was never my intention to be a corporate guy at all. It just happened that way. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's so funny. It's just like the, the shit you do when you're a kid and you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I, yeah. you know, cause who's going to get a job like that out of the gate? Like m- yeah. nobody probably. And then <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So you definitely, what, what you said, you won the corporate lottery also. I feel like honestly, that's how life or how we should approach all kinds of relationships is just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And if it's not fun anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore. Like that's really the whole, right. That's I, how to do it. <laughs> yeah. If it sucks, don't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. philosophically, that's pretty easy to get your head around. Yeah. You know? But people don't, it's, they work at jobs. They hate, they stay in relationships. They hate for years and years and years or their entire life. And they're like, what the hell, man, life's yep. too short. <laughs> that's funny. So Okay. So then how about your entrepreneur journey? Because your real life isn't cool enough. Your, your, <laughs> your, your night job or your, yeah. Who, who do you operate as in, in the side? Yeah. So uh, I was always kind of passionate about wine. And so kind of got introduced to it when I was about 23. It was actually while I was like doing this school thing and just like as a hobby, I would go wine tasting and I would learn about it and I was interested and I was passionate. I just kind of did that for about 10 years while I was climbing the corporate ladder. And somewhere along the way, I said, you know what, I'm going to get serious about this. And I started really studying and taking classes to get wine certifications. And and so I started with my certified specialist of the wine, and then I got went and got my level two sommelier certification. And then I learned about this thing called master of wine. And Master Wine, there's about 420 in the world, and there's about 58 currently in the U.S. And I was like, I'm going to do that. That seems cool as hell. And so I threw up a Hail Mary application to the Institute, and they, for some ungodly reason, accepted me as a, as a candidate. And then I started working my way through that journey. And then along the, the way, I, I found myself in the kingdom of Bhutan in the Himalayas, which is a whole separate freaking story. But And I looked around and I was like, this place is perfect. Where are the wineries? And turns out they didn't have any. So I started an industry there. And then along the way, through some other random coincidences, I started a rum company that ended up being the highest rated silver rum of all time. Yeah. As, as one does. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. As one does. And then I, you know, I started writing some books about wine and I ended up writing a bunch of books about wine and like just it, one thing led to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's kind of how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I think so anyway. It's just funny to me too, because like, I'm sure people are probably like, how does that even happen? And it's, I feel like in the experiences that I've had, cause I've had some unusual things happen in my life, not quite as cool as you, but like there's, there's certain things that in my previous corporate life, or even as a consultant or just like stuff where I just like, I assume that it's an opportunity that's available to me. And I ask, or I just, I'm like, that seems weird. I'm going to do that differently. And I do it. And then people are like, well, that's crazy. And I'm like, I know, but like, I thought it was dumb to keep doing it this way. I didn't want to do it that way anymore. So I'm going to do it this way instead. But I think there's an element of arrogance and also just kind of uh, the, yeah, like, why not? Why can't you just do the thing that you want to do? So then it leads you to the magical kingdom of Bhutan and starting a rum company and just like the random shit that comes up when you're just like doing things that seem interesting. Again, it's like the whole, this seems fun. I'm going to try this. So here we go. My business partner in the rum company, he calls me the what if guy because because you're always like, well, what if, what if we did do it? What if we Mm -hmm. did try it this way? What if? And that's kind of how the whole rum company got started. Actually, I'll tell you this story. My my partner, who's a rum fanatic, and my son, who is a rum aficionado, 
and me who could give a shit about rum or <laughs> sitting around one day drinking randomly in the kingdom of Bhutan in the, in the, in the Himalayas. This is where this sure, conversation yeah. plays. And we're sitting on this patio and we're looking out over these beautiful views. And my friend goes, we should start a rum company. <laughs> and I go, what do you want to make? And he goes, I want to make spice rum. And I go, well, what if, <laughs> what if instead of doing spice rum, because there's a billion spice drums out right. there, Mm-hmm. I was like, think about it like this. Like if, if someone asked you, Kristen, to name bourbons, how many bourbons could you name? Hundreds, right? Yeah. Well, how many, how many, vodkas, how many <laughs> yeah. vodkas could you name? Yeah. A flower jillion. Yeah. How many tequilas, right? Mm-hmm. But if I asked you to name how many silver rums other than Bacardi can you name? Could you name any? No, I honestly don't even know if I would know the difference. Is it just yeah. that it's clear? <laughs> Well, so there's, there, yeah, there's clear and then there's brown and then there's flavored and flavored oh. to be like Captain Morgan or Sailor Jerry or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. But there's, Bacardi is like the only player in this space. And so I said, look, you know, from a business perspective, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to target categories where there's less competition. Mm-hmm. So what if instead of doing a spice rum, what if we did a, a silver rum? And that's how the company got started. But we didn't, I didn't know anything about rum. And so- we went to start talking to people who did know, this is what I learned. <laughs> you do make rum out of sugarcane and sugarcane is like olive oil. Like the first press is the extra virgin, the best purity, the highest quality, whatever. And it's clear it's like water. And then you sort of press it again and it's a little thicker and a little dirtier. By the time you get to the fifth press, you're boiling it down and you're smashing it. And what comes out is black and it looks like mud and it's called black strap molasses. Mm, Most, most of the rum companies out there make their rum with blackstrap molasses. And I, being the what if guy, I go, well, what if we just started with the beginning stuff? Like, isn't that way better? Like, why would we start with the dirty shit at the end? (laughs) Let's just start with the extra virgin stuff. Mm -hmm. And the guys that we were talking to were like, oh, oh, you can't do that. I go, why not? And he goes, way too expensive. And I go, well, I can do math. (laughs) Like, how much more expensive is it? And it was like a nickel a bottle. <laughs> I go, oh my God. <laughs> go, why does anyone save a nickel a bottle? Like, yeah, why would totally you do that? This. So yeah. we made this rum out of the first press and it was spectacularly good. So we entered it in a couple contests and we won double gold medals. And we're like, whoa. Then we submitted it to the Ratings Institute and they're like, 95 points, highest score in history. And everyone's like, you guys are geniuses. And I'm like, no, we're not. We just said like, start with something that's not shitty and you'll probably end up with <laughs> yeah. something that's pretty good. Yeah, like that's our, yeah. That was our, that was our old logical. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. There's an entrepreneurial story of why to, how to ask what if. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. That's actually one of the reasons why I can't do corporate life anymore is because <laughs> I'm like, this seems dumb. Why would we? <laughs> And don't be wrong. Like, it's not like I'm, I, I think that I'm right all the time. Like, I mean, most of the time, obviously, but yeah. So it's just, it's hard to function in a place like that where you can't, at least in a lot of corporate cultures, right. Is, is not, we do not do that. It's just do, do what you do, head down, keep moving, convince your people that they want to do whatever ridiculous thing that we're trying to accomplish. Anyway, no, that's, that's, <laughs> it cracks me up. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast so far. I just wanted to drop in and recommend a bookkeeping resource, bookkeeping and accounting resource, if you're into that sort of thing. QuickBooks is one of my go-tos that I recommend to people. It's quick and easy to start up and it integrates with a lot of other services. So it connects easily to your taxes each year and is easy to share with your accountant and bookkeeper. So 
QuickBooks is an old standby. It's been around for a long time, so it integrates with a lot of different other systems and resources. It's one that I recommend pretty regularly to people who are looking for bookkeeping resources. You can use my link. It's quickbooks.grsm.io slash Catalyst Consulting. The link will also be in the show notes for the episode too. It's a lot of letters. You don't have to remember all of them. Okay. So how did you end up in the Himalayas starting a wine company? So excellent question. Um, (laughs) So I was running marathons in weird places around the world, like Antarctica. And so I was on a bunch of emailing lists for marathons. And my girlfriend, we've been together for 16 years now, but at the time we'd maybe only been together for 10, but she read some book in high school about Bhutan and a woman who goes and moves there to teach English and falls in love and blah, 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 blah. So the whole time we've been together, I hear about Bhutan, 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 let's go to Bhutan. I want to go to Bhutan. Let's go to Bhutan someday. And I'm like, whatever. I don't give a shit about Bhutan. But I got this email from a guy because I was on some marathon distribution list saying there's a marathon, the first international marathon in Bhutan. We're bringing some some outsiders in. We have space for 10 people. If you'd like to be considered, let me know. And I was like, yes. Immediately clicked on it, filled out the application, got accepted and went to my girlfriend and said, baby, guess what? Surprise. We're going to Bhutan. And she was like, oh my God, we're going to the Himalayas. And I go, no, we're not. Bhutan's an, Indi- an island in Indonesia. And she goes, no, it isn't. It's in the <laughs> Himalayas. And I'm like, wait, seriously? And she's like, yeah, look it up. And I was like, fuck, she's right. It's in the Himalayas. So I didn't even know where it was when we went there. It just this random set, you know, what if? And so, so yeah, that's how I got to Bhutan in the first place was I went there to run this marathon. Nice. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of how I pick travel too because d- geography is hard for me it's not one of my fortes I only know where things are once I've been there and so I still haven't right. been to a lot of places but that's basically I'm like oh now I know I've been to Greece recently so I'm like cool I understand where Greece is at what the geography of that country looks like you know some of the islands and where they're at that makes sense to me now but before I'm like I don't know it's in it's Europe I guess we're, we're American and yes. so that means we yeah. suck at geography. We're shit I've, at it. Yeah. I also feel like our country is the size of a lot of other like content. You know what I mean? It's like, how, how are we right. supposed to, we barely even know what 50 states we have. I couldn't tell you if you asked me to with a gun to my head, probably. I'd be like, uh, you I forget you did, they, they didn't teach you the song when you were in elementary school? No, I missed there's that somehow. Alabama, Arizona, <laughs> or whatever it is. I, I forget it now. See, but. exactly. You too would die if you had to, if you had to name 50. You'd sing like the first 10. You're like, shit, there's more. Uh, <laughs> it's in here somewhere. Yeah, so I feel I, like, oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to add on to, so we get to Bhutan. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're in Bhutan. And it's like this magical little Shangri-La country in the middle of the Himalayas. And we were talking about it before. They have this, they don't do gross domestic product. They do gross national happiness. And they, they want to be happy. And they, they grow these amazing crops. It's the only carbon negative country in the world and they're on track to become the first 100% organic country. So the crops, like everything you eat there is like the best, this is, here's the best potato you've ever had in life. Here's the best carrot. Everything is just tastes awesome. And me being the wine geek and the, the I'm assuming there has to be a vineyard here and I want to go to it because they've got to have the most magical wine. So everywhere I went, I'm asking people, where's the vineyard? Where's the vineyard? And people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so finally, I end up at this dinner with like some government people. And I go, where's your vineyards? I'm not leaving until I see it. And they go, we don't have any. And I go, well, you guys are fucking up because this place is perfect for wine. And if you guys don't grow, I'm totally overstepping my boundaries, right? Like telling these guys what to do with their country. But they listened. And then we started a wine industry. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
(laughs) Is your wine available internationally or is it only available in the Himalayas? So actually it takes about three to five years for vineyards to start producing fruit. And so six of my vineyards are in their fifth year this year and two of them are in their third. So we're actually going to do our first harvest this year. Um, Oh, nice. Okay. We we might've been able to do one last year, but COVID and the country was locked down and Bhutan is also right above India. And if you remember, India was a total shit show last year with COVID. So Mm -hmm. We just said, we're not going to bother to try. We'll do it in 2022. So the wine's not available anywhere yet. But oh, it will be, someday. Yeah, that'll be awesome. That's cool. I, I, I like I, it. The real question is, is what's it going to taste like? I think it's going to be unique. I just hope it's great. Right, <laughs> and, yeah. You're you know, not like, this is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> which is, that's... I've been working on this project now for like seven years. So, so that I'm finally about to find out if my hunch was right or not. Yeah, or if you've just been growing some nice grapes for yeah. a new, for a different country. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to make some, some raisins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. That's what they but call a, a pivot, <laughs> but it's, it's a long-term play. I mean, we knew going into this, like, I didn't want to, I'm not trying to build a winery. I'm trying to build an industry, you know, so you got to take like a 50 or a hundred year view of it. And, you know, most places that are making wine have had a couple hundred or a couple thousand years to figure out how to dial it in. And right. uh, yeah. And so I, I, we are, we're going to learn, like we're going to make mistakes and, I'm sure the first batch is not going to be as good as the second, which is not going to be as good as the third and so on, mm-hmm. which is cool. I'm, I'm all right with, you know, failing and learning. Yeah. That's part of the process. I think, well, it has to be really, that's boring. If you just yeah. get it right all the time, it's kind of boring. That's you, you learn what you need to know when you need to know it. I, at least <laughs> that's how I do it. So, Okay. So wine, and I feel like I saw on your Amazon bio too, that you are a tea expert. I am also an international tea master. (laughs) So you just, okay. So when you started the whole, the wine, the master of wine journey, could you, cause this is the, so my, my best friend and I tried to have a, we had a wine YouTube channel for about 10, 10 seconds. And then we got bored where we basically just got drunk and rated wine and then talked about pandas and shit. So anyway, we're like, how do you, like it all tastes red or it tastes white. (laughs) That's basically our thing. So did you already have some of the, like you could tell the difference between like the different smells and tastes, or did you have to learn that through the process? I think by the time I started really passionately learning about it in a structured manner, I had already been drinking wine for, you know, 15 years. By then had enough of it that I, I thought I had a decent palate. Turns out I didn't, but I kind of came into it with at least some experience. And then kind of learning some of the methodologies and, and structures for how to, how to really think about deciphering a wine, layering that on top allowed me to be, you know, become a pretty good taster. I, I say that now, but I failed the final tasting exam to become a master of wine four years in a row. So you know, I'm good, but I haven't quite gotten over that final hurdle yet. I mean, it seems like that should be a hard thing to do. Well, so I, <laughs> or what's the you, point? 115 people in the world took it last year and eight of them passed. So yeah. Okay. I was, I was one of the 107. I was one of the 94% that failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what's the point in having like an elite, whatever, if it's like even a 50, 50, really, I mean, it should be. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, got, you got to make it hard enough to achieve that, it, that the certification means something, right? Yeah. One could argue just by dint of the fact that there's only 115 people in the world capable of even trying it means they're probably pretty damn good. And maybe we should lower the bar a little bit, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. And, yeah. and I get, I get one more chance this year and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I'll, I'll finally get over that hump. 
pull it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on what I know about you so far, if anyone could do it, it's probably you. So yeah. So you sent me a copy of your book too, which I'm pretty excited. I think it's, so the thing that I like about it is that it's not, uh, like douchey wine stuff. It's like one, you swear a lot, which is <laughs> one of my favorite things about you. And the way that you write is funny to me. Like, for example, what was the one I, I saved something here. Oh, it's called drinking and knowing things. And this is volume one and you just launched volume two, right? Didn't you yep, say just volume, volume two just came out Tuesday and yeah. I just got my first copy of it literally last night. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Like you, why the specific wine is dope AF in each little chapter, which made me laugh. And I can't remember what the other, oh man, what was the other thing I had? It was just like a couple of things that just fucking made me laugh out loud. So it's like, if you want to learn about wine and shit and not in a, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, yeah, douchey. Like, douchey. Cause a lot of people, you know, they're talking about wine and stuff and it's like, oh, it's this blah, blah, blah. It's like for the lay person who's trying to learn more about wine and stuff. Cause like I said, it's, it's hard to learn. And if you go to a lot of just general tasting rooms and stuff, a lot of the people there aren't really wine experts. They're just telling you what whoever told them to say about the wine, like it's fruit forward and notes of oak and whatever. And you're just like, okay, fucking again, it tastes red. Whatever. <laughs> like, Well, you know, so, yeah. so I have a theory about this. I think like when you were in Greece, mm -hmm. I'm sure like nobody treated wine like it was anything special. It was just- No, it's wine. also terrible. Yeah. It, I, also terrible, but- <laughs> I did not like Greek wine. I tried. <laughs> but it's like you walk into a cafe and there's a carafe on the table yeah. and they're like, oh, here's some wine. Like no one made a big thing about it, right? It's just sort of part of the culture. And that's the way it was all over the world. And then America, really only about 50 years ago, Robert Mondavi said- you know, we can make good wine too. And everyone's like, no, you can't. He's like, I can't. So we had to treat it as something special because we we're trying to compete. Mm. And then that specialness sort of evolved into this, this really snooty, douchey culture that we have in America today about wine. It's like everyone's petrified that they smelled the wrong thing or they ordered the wrong wine or he got oak and I don't get oak. So I'm an idiot and I don't know how to do it. And it's, people are scared of it and they're intimidated by it. And I think it's bullshit. Like, you should have fun with wine. It's a fun, joyous thing. And that's what I was trying to do with that book. And, and actually the way the book started was I didn't even set out to write that book. My friends were just like, Hey, can you tell us what to drink? You're an expert. Like, tell us what wine. And I'm like, I'm not your fucking personal Somalia. Just go try some stuff. Yeah. And they just kept bugging me. And mm -hmm. so <laughs> finally one day I was on an airplane and I was reading a wine book by an expert. And the person was like ripping on Chenin Blanc, just like Chenin Blanc is a garbage grape. And I'm like, fuck you. It is not. Chenin Blanc is great. We're, I'm going to fix this right now. And I went home and I typed up an email to my friend saying, Chenin Blanc is great. And you should fucking go get some right now. And here's a couple bottles that I recommend. And everyone that got it said, this is the greatest thing ever. Send us another one. And so I sent another one and then they sent it to their friends. And then those friends emailed me. And I ended up with this huge mailing list of like these things I was sending out. Mm. And, and then the people that came late to the party would email me and go like, Hey, I'm late to the party. Can I get copies of like the first 42 emails? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not your librarian, but I got enough requests from it. So I'm like, all right, look, let me bundle up the first 52 in a book. I'll put it out on Amazon and then you guys can just go get it there and you can have it. And it's a reference guide and whatever. And so that's what I did. And then it became a bestseller. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it, it's to your point about the way it's written. It was me telling my friends what I think about wine in a very mm -hmm. honest and unfiltered <laughs> way. If you look at the Amazon reviews, some of them are hysterical. They're like, this book would be an amazing book if it wasn't for all the curse words. 
Oh um, God, yeah. And then the next one will be like, what I love most about this word is the F or this book is the F bombs. It's if you want to amuse yourself, go spend some time reading my Amazon reviews. Yes, I'm. I will do. That's uh, being added to my list of things to do. I just clicked on the so it's on my website or on the web browser. But, and by the way, I still do the weekly email today. So if any of your listeners want to join it, they can just go to drinkingandknowingthings.com and just put their email address in, and then they'll start getting them. Actually. From the beginning, they'll start with number one and they'll get a new one every week for forever. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to also sign up for that. It's funny because like I'm I just clicked on it and expanded the description of the of the book. You literally say goddamn in the first or second sentence. Like, <laughs> why would you buy the book if you did like he's he swears in the description of the book? <laughs> People are weird about Actually, that. Stuff. If you I think if you can scroll down past the reviews, you'll see like the formal critic reviews. And there's one in there that says this book has a lot of curse words. I think it's from like online book club or something. <laughs> That's amazing. It's just like a factual statement. You're like, cool. Yes. I'm like, yeah, um, it does. Yep. <laughs> You're right. That's how I talk. So that's, that's yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I actually, for whatever reason, I have a, a kind of a filter when it comes to my business and stuff. Cause it's some people like it. Some people don't I'll swear a little bit, but like this podcast episode is going to be flagged as explicit. Cause I'm like, this is how I actually talk with like people that I know in real life. I've always just kind of had a filter outward. I, I mean, I do too. I think there's kind of a time and place, yeah. right? But it, what's funny yeah. is, is that you know, most people will, you know, curse in their normal everyday life with their friends and with their family. It's not a big deal. And then they feel like they need to show up differently to work. And I get that. And there's some merit to that. Like you wouldn't want to go have surgery where the surgeon is going, Hey, look at this fucking thing, right? <laughs> you, that, <laughs> yeah. that would not be, that would not be great. But yeah, but a lot of the business that we do, I think we, we can take ourselves a little too seriously. And I think that's a bummer. Yeah. I think the more authentic we can show up in every walk of life, the better it's going to be. Yeah. It's because it's just, I mean, I don't know if this is actually verified or not. Maybe it was just an internet meme that went around, right? But the the thing about people who swear tend to be more honest and authentic. People tend to just trust them more because it's it's a more authentic representation of, of who they are. Um, that's and I'm like, that's, that's my That's my style. I feel like a lot of people who do, I mean, there's, I think that there are people who just swear too fucking much. Like there's, it's like, dude, you don't have to say the yeah. F word, every other word, like for emphasis or as part of your storytelling or, you know, the more worked up I get about something, the more swear words come out and the more creative they get. Well, it's like, but, remember when you were like, however old you were, 14 or 17 or 18 or whatever, and you realized, hey, you can swear. Yeah. And then you yeah. just like overdid it for like two yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Some like, people what's... just never grew out of that. And they yeah. just kept doing that. I'm like, what is the most offensive thing that I can say? Yeah. And the creative, creative insults. Those are my favorites. Yeah. So it's, it's just the way that I talk. Cause I, somebody told me that at one point in time, I was like, do I swear too much? Cause we were in a meeting with somebody who did, it was like that, like F word ever. I'm like, dude, is that how I talk? She's like, no, no, mm-mm. no, you're way it's, worse. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been waiting to tell you <laughs> that we've scheduled an intervention for you and it's, it's pretty rough. Yeah. So anyway, but anyway, yeah. So there you go. People who swear are considered trustworthy. I did not know that. So yeah. I learned something today too. You're Perfect. welcome. Yeah. That's, yeah, cool. no, I'm, that's why, that's why I'm so trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. People are like, this fucking guy knows what he's talking about. I think especially when it comes to something like wine too, where you're just like, let's just pull the veil back a little bit here, guys. Okay. We don't have to yeah. gatekeep everyone's enjoyment level. <laughs> okay. Well, so think about this. There's a town in Spain that's a, it's a little wine town. And every year they have a wine fight and everybody in the town stays up all night partying, even the, even the old people. And then when the sun comes up, they're all, they all put on white and they go out in the vineyards and they have a wine fight with like squirt guns and water balloons and buckets <laughs> of wine and everyone just gets soaked. Like that's to me, 
what wine should be. It should be fun and for everybody and everyone just has a great time with it. That would never fly in the US. No. Never. We, we take it, we really do take ourselves very seriously. It's a travesty. It, <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Just for, for all you guys that are listening right now, just go out, go to the supermarket, buy the first bottle of wine that you see that you don't know what it is and bring it home and try it. And if you like it, awesome. And if you don't, go back and try again. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. I like it. And I like, I do, I wine taste whenever I can because I mean, I'm in Washington. So we got some wines up here too, you know? It's like there's tasting rooms all over the place in Spokane. Where where are you? Are you in Spokane? Spokane? Yeah. Yeah. So you could just go a little bit south and the Walla Walla is, you know, chock full of wineries and great yeah. wineries actually yeah just a few yeah. here and there yeah so we have tons of tasting rooms and stuff in town and it's like i like to just do flights because that's kind of how i well one how i evolved from whites to reds because it was just i started with you know the rieslings and all that and then worked my way i like gewurz because it sounds yeah. cool it's a little rieslingy but yeah so then i just i started tasting wine and trying different things and then my palate sort of graduated and i was like oh i oh chardonnay is not terrible anymore okay and then i worked into reds and now that's all i can drink because i'm old and i apparently get heart burn now i'm like what the fuck is this like when did this happen i was like is, is yeah. it like when you turn 30 and then all of a sudden yeah everything starts to fall apart i'm like yeah no more um, white wine for you no more white wine yeah i'm like seriously gives me fucking heartburn every time i'm like this is dumb anyway it's not a tragedy to have to drink red but yeah so it's just kind of like trying different things and that's that's for me like the little bit that i do know or started to kind of understand is just from yeah random wine tastings all over the place and yeah but i like the book and, and I think the, the the cool thing about it is I get emails from folks who have said, hey, we started a chapter in our city where we go out and one night a week, we have people get together and we do the next wine in your book. And I, I literally, I got one three uh-huh. days ago from Fredericksburg, Texas, random email out of the blue. Hey, just wanted to let you know, I love your book and, and we're having such a good time with it here in our little town. I'm like, that's amazing that people are are actually embracing this as a, as a group and, and experiencing it together. Like, that's what it should be. Yeah. And I just gave people a little bit of a roadmap to do it. Yeah. Yep. Cause it is so fucking confusing. Yeah. It was, a, I think, it, I don't remember which section it is that you're talking about this in the book, but it was like, I drink champagne with steak or what's the, you're that's, talking about I, the, the size was, of the glasses. I drink it in a solo cup. It doesn't fucking matter, man. <laughs> That's the section on wine etiquette. And I'm like, rule oh, number yeah. one is there's no fucking rule. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Do what you want. Yeah. And <laughs> whatever you like doing, that's the right thing. Yeah. yeah and if I you put, like put, it, then I, it's a good wine. I put ice cubes in wine all the time, red and white. Oh, and that was people, the other. <laughs> people lose their minds. They're like, yeah. what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm a wine expert. This is the right way to do it. And they're like, <laughs> oh, can I do it? But yeah, sure. you can do it. Sure. Yeah. Just pick up the cubes and put them in your glass. There you go. Do you like it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I like it. Cool. There you go. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much just like in general, like I was saying, like gatekeeping or just like people making fun of people for doing shit that they like. It's like, if we could just stop doing that as a culture, that would probably solve a lot of it because people feel self-conscious or they're like, I kind of want, can I like mix my wine with stuff? Like, sure. (laughs) If that makes you feel good, go for it. Yeah. And and, and that probably applies more broadly than just wine too. It probably applies to like how to dress, you know, like every once in a while you see somebody wearing like the most outlandish outfit and you're like, I love that guy's style mm-hmm. or girl style, right? Yeah. Like they're not afraid to wear leather pants and a white fur coat w- with no shirt on underneath and cowboy boots, like awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wouldn't wear that, but I love that you're wearing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, just be you, man. Hey, thanks for listening so far. I just wanted to stop and share one of my go-to social media scheduling resources. 
cinch share which is one of the hardest things in the world to say i'm pretty sure but cinchshare.com is one of my go-to's i use it off and on pretty consistently and it's one that i recommend and have used with clients before as well it's simple it's easy to set up you can schedule linkedin facebook instagram and you can actually also direct publish to instagram which is beneficial too lots of schedulers don't let you do that Plus, you can schedule content for your personal Facebook page as well as any Facebook groups that you're an admin of. So it's a great place to be able to manage multiple social media platforms all in one place and get your content out there scheduled consistently. If you use my link to join SenseShare, you get an additional two-week trial. So you get 30 days total for free to try it out and see if you like it. The link for that is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash catalyst underscore cinch. And I will drop the link for that in the show notes as well. But it's a great social media scheduling resource that I recommend you try out. What do you feel like are to like do hard segue here? What do you feel like are the three most most important things that entrepreneurs should know or people in general who are just trying to live their best life? So about maybe 10 years ago, I made a conscious decision to stop chasing stuff. And I said, I only want to do epic shit with cool people. That's all I want to do. And if it's not epic, I don't want to do it. And if the people are assholes, I don't want to do it with them. That's it. That's all I want to do. And if, and so that became my my benchmark for measuring like what to to get involved with. And by doing that, I ended up you know at a glacier near the South Pole running a marathon and and like swimming around with great white sharks at the shark beating grounds by Guadalupe Island and like just this random stuff. And and I think what that did is it freed me up in my business world to focus on the things that were the most important as opposed to the other stuff. And that led me to, I mean, to Bhutan, like, you know, do epic shit with cool people. So I, I think I like that approach for, for my life. And I tell my kids, like, this is the way you should live your lives. And I think that all entrepreneurs could benefit from that type of approach. So that's one. I think number two, maybe would be ask what if, like, that should be your response to every situation. Well, what if, what if we did this? What if we did that? What if we tried this other thing? What if we used the first press sugarcane instead of the last? What if we started a rum company? What if we competed with, like, ask what if. Maybe the third piece, and I, I'm not sure how concise and succinct you were looking for bullet points, but this next one's a little philosophical. So the analogy that I, I think about is if you got, if you were taking a kayak down whitewater rapids, the rapids are going to take you to the end. And you can kind of get in the middle and just kind of steer a little bit, nudge a little bit, and you'll have the ride of your life. But if you try to fight it, if you try to like paddle, if you try to go upstream, if you try to steer around stuff, you're not going to. You're going to get the shit kicked out of you. And I think in life, the universe is going to take us where we're supposed to go. And you can fight against it, but you're just going to exhaust yourself and you're going to get beat up. But if you can find the flow state if you can find where the universe is taking you and just embrace that, you get to the right spot and you get there faster, easier, and so on and so forth. So I think my third piece of all this would be don't fight the universe. Yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of, I was writing down like, find the flow state. What's the, yeah. <laughs> don't fight the <laughs> yeah, universe. Don't, don't fight the universe. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. So, yeah, I like that too, because if I feel like it like kind of ties into like trusting your instincts, trust your gut. I, well, and, if you're, and if you're only doing epic shit with cool people to begin with, like if that's the direction that you're going, then where the universe is taking you, you just, you get there faster. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that stuck out in my head, because it's a, I, I traveled for a little while. I quit my corporate job in, when I was 30 and traveled for about a year. I was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. 
it is living a life in which you regret as few things as possible is basically my whole, it's like all the stories you hear from people on their deathbeds, elderly people at the end of their lives, you know, they've been alive for 80, 90, hundred years, whatever is they, nobody ever regrets the shit they did. They regret the shit that they didn't do. I mean, unless they hurt somebody like fine. Okay. Right. Let's, right, right. let's assume that that's not part of the story, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, it's like t- taking chances and doing epic shit with cool people and doing things your own way or trusting your instincts or that thing that's been, always been in your mind that I like, I really want to skydive or to do a crazy roller coaster or start my own business or whatever the fucking thing is like do the thing because life's too fucking short man like <laughs> well and i think <laughs> you you can't you can't be outcome specific right so you can't yeah. say i i want you know to do this and i want x to happen you you can't depend on an outcome because then if you if you do whatever that is and that a different outcome comes then you're like oh i failed and i this is bad this is wrong whatever you have to go into it and say like i'm going to do this and i'm not sure what's going to happen and i might not like some of the outcomes, right? They may not be fun, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then if, if you are not outcome specific, what you find is you get some lows, but you get way bigger highs and a much higher quantity of highs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, But the lows are the price you pay for getting the highs. And I think what happens is people get too scared of, oh, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skydive and I might die. You know what? You might. That's yeah. right. That's absolutely right. And if that happens, you know, it is what it is. You could also slip in the shower and snap your neck which you is one of my greatest, that's one of my greatest fears. I'm like, man, please don't let this be the way that I go out. Let it be something cool like <laughs> skydiving. You know what I mean? Like, okay. well, fuck, man. I, honestly, like, like, you're yeah. like, dude, if you got eaten by a great white shark, like that's a terrible yeah. way to go. But you know what? Everyone in the world would hear about it. Fucking legendary. Yep. Yeah. Doing epic shit and get eaten by sharks, you know, like yeah. I mean, uh, your friends would have some really cool stories to tell about you. Yeah, dude, it'd be a rad funeral. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with that. It's just, it's like, don't don't live a life that's based in fear or the fear of failure. Because also that's just part of the entrepreneurship journey. You kind of talked about that already too. Is like, you're going to like try some shit and fuck some shit up. And like, if, you're, if your wine turns out disgusting or the grapes are not what you thought they were going to be, then maybe you do become a raisin magnet and right. like have a raisin yeah. empire who knows yeah. or you find something else because that's just that's part of the journey you tried something new you tried something that no one else had done before and it's that leads you to whatever other cool shit comes down the road that's how it works i think well and, and with the wine thing specifically nobody knows what grapes are going to grow in bhutan and the altitude in bhutan ranges ranges from 500 feet in the south to twenty-seven thousand feet in the north so no one knows where the right spot is to grow it's never been done before so I have vineyards planted at altitudes from like 2,000 feet up to 9,000 feet. And I have red grapes and white grapes and all kinds of different stuff growing. I am guarantee you I'm the only person in the world that has vineyards where Riesling and Cabernet Sauvignon are planted next to each other. And I know, I know with 100% certainty that a bunch of that shit is not going to work. And I'm totally fine with that. I don't need to find, I don't need to have everything work. I need to find the one thing that does work. If that ends up being Malbec, and Bhutan becomes the Malbec capital of the world. Well, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's great. But you, but it's funny because I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, that's, you, what if it doesn't work? Like, I, I expect that it's not going to work. Yeah, uh, that's not the point. Yeah. But that's not the point. The point is find the one that does work. And the way that you find the one that does work is you try a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the curiosity and just 
wanting to try, I don't know. Yeah. Cause the same thing happened like when I decided to travel. So this, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day too. I'm like, so I've already done the scariest thing that I could think of. Right. I quit my job that I'd worked at for 10 years. I was making good money, quit my job, cash out my 401k and fucking bounced to a country that I did not speak the language. I was like, I'm going to go to Mexico. And people are like, do you speak Spanish? I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Which some of the experiences that I had there were not a great time. But one, <laughs> I, I have a much better understanding of what people feel like when they come to our country and don't speak our language and get treated like shit. <laughs> because I've had to do that. I was like, oh, this is really embarrassing. I'm like, okay, all right. Lesson received, universe, thank you. <laughs> But yeah, it just it, like, I, I'm like, I, I die. If I get kidnapped by a cartel and eventually I become an overlord in Mexico, that's great. That's fine. That's definitely on my life plan. That's one of my retirement strategies. And if I don't, I could get hit by a bus walking across the street. I could get hit by a drunk driver in my car. Like that's a lot more likely to happen than the things that you're telling me that I should be scared of. I could get stabbed by somebody in downtown Spokane. Like, I don't, you know, right. like you're going to die, man. At some point, like hopefully it's not painful and hopefully it's really not as awful as getting kidnapped and murdered. Great. A few, a um, few years ago, one of my friends was Christmas shopping at the mall with his wife and he was walking through the mall and had a brain aneurysm and fell down dead in the yeah. mall at Christmas shopping. And yeah. he, he didn't even know he was sick. It, yeah. you know, it was just bang, just happened. And it was a terrible thing. And, but to your point, Nobody fucking knows. So go live. Yeah. Do, do some stuff. I mean, it doesn't have to be as crazy as some of the shit that we're talking about, obviously, but like, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a different kind of but it <laughs> adrenaline. Could be, it could be as simple as try a Gorstrometer. Yes, right? exactly. Give us three now. the Oki Chardonnay yeah. and try the Gorstrometer. And guess what? Yeah. You might not like it. Yeah. But now, but, you know, but then you'll know. And then and you then can move on. <laughs> try a Riesling. And I mean, it could yeah. be something as simple as that. Like, like it's okay to fail. It's okay to try. It's yeah. You know, the outcomes are, guess what? Your outcomes are not always going to be rainbows and sunshine and fucking unicorns. Yeah. And you can and plan okay. your entire life from A to Z and it's still not going to turn out the way that you want it to, or the way you thought it was going to things are going to come up that you didn't plan for. Like, so the people who, who are kind of stuck in that kind of thing too, it's like, if I plan everything out, then it's going to end up a certain way. It's fucking not like yep. bad shit happens all the time or weird shit happens or a pandemic happens and completely changes an entire world's life. <laughs> basically, yeah. you know, as bad as the pandemic is, and as, as much change it has, like I look at it and I go, okay, number one, I like the people that I work with, we started showing up a lot more authentically because, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to have a zoom and the little kids crying in the background and the dog is barking and, and you didn't shower. <laughs> like yeah. Everyone's in the same boat. So yeah. it's, it's sort of like, it's okay to be human. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, for me, there was so much more authenticity and empathy that I think we all developed as part of this. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully stick around after the masks are gone. Right. So yeah. I, I think there's actually... It's, it's easy to say all oh, the pandemic, but at the same time, like, I think there's some real positive benefits to it that mm -hmm. we haven't really realized yet. Well, and it's, I've only looked at a couple different websites, so I can't quote my sources necessarily, but to my, from what I've seen, more new businesses started in 2020 than any other year so far, like record breaking as far as new businesses starting. And I think a lot of people got focused on the businesses that went out of business, which is also sad and awful. Like I'm not trying to minimize that experience at all, but like you said, a lot of good things came out of this and a lot of evolution happened in humanity and just the way we do things, the way we work. Like you said, like people don't, nobody's wearing pants on this Zoom. 
them. Like, right. I'm not but, wearing pants right now. Yeah, exactly. Who cares, right? Like, nobody can see. Your but, dog but, might but judge also, you. Also, you know, even even the physicists that did go out of uh, business, I guarantee you, somewhere there's a dry cleaner, and the dude that ran the dry cleaner desperately wanted to be an artist, but you know, yes. body had to be yeah. a dry cleaner. And then, unfortunately, yep. the pandemic happened. Dry cleaner goes broke, and the person goes, "You know what? Awesome." Now I get to go be an artist and is yeah. and is happier every day because of it. This comes back to the whole Bhutan philosophy. The the goal of living should be happiness, and that's what you should be focused on. Mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully that dude's out there, even if he's making shitty art, he's happy. That's a yeah. win. Who gives a shit, man? Some people are gonna like it. Find your people yeah. that like what you have to offer and yeah, do epic sh- shit with cool people. <laughs> <laughs> I should have made one of my three maybe be happy, but you know, I mean, it's all, it's tied up I, in there. Can I have four? Yeah. Can I have four? Yeah, you can have I can, four. I can, I can add four. being happy to, to, to the yeah. list. All right. I'm in charge of this podcast, I guess. So you can do what you want. Be happy. Hey, I'm, the, I'm the first, I'm the, I'm the new video one, right? So yeah. maybe, you yeah. know, we're, we're creating new paradigms for, we are. for you. You're going forward, you can do four. Exactly. I'll be like, all right, well, Mike started it. So <laughs> everyone else has to go back to three now. <laughs> I think uh, that works too. Yeah. 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 A number that you are comfortable with. Cool. Okay. Well, I feel like that's a good, yeah. Be happy, do epic shit with cool people, find your Bhutan, whatever, you know, yeah. that, I think that's a, that's a good place to end it. So thanks for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be in touch and I look forward to getting volume two of drinking and knowing things. Ah, thanks a bunch, Kristen. This has been a blast and uh, such, such a, such a good time to, to just bullshit about life and <laughs> let me wax philosophically about random shit. So yeah. I appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs> I'll talk Cheers. to you soon. Thanks so much for listening today. This was a great episode and I'm sure you will appreciate the tips and insights from today. If you want to connect further with our guests, you can find the contact information, social media links, etc., any of the freebies in the show notes from today's episode. Please show some love to our guests and like, follow, and subscribe their content if you connected with them. And also don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. Also, if you drop a juicy review, that's always cool too. 